There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Jackie Roberts, the executive director of Spark Labs Global Ventures, Spark Labs Frontier at ASU. It's the organization's first university accelerator program. Welcome, Jackie. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we are excited to talk to you. I don't know if Centauri and I put our heads together and if we did that for a long time, if we could come up with a venture that would be suitable for the program. Centauri, what do you think? Uh, you know, one okay, let's actually challenge each other to do this. I think we should sit down for two hours and I figure we could come up with like some semblance of an idea that might be suitable for going through this. Okay, fair enough. Well we will have to sort of maybe back we're on just that one. <laughs> Maybe I'm just overconfident on our abilities. I got to think this through. But it turns out that Jackie and Centauri know each other, and also Jackie's good friend from high school went to college with Centauri. So maybe just based upon your knowledge of Centauri, you can answer that question. Do you think that Centauri could come up with a <laughs> come up with an idea that would be worthy of Spark Labs? I do. Knowing okay. him, yes, I definitely think he can. But I will say we just uh, finished our interviews for applicants the program. And there's some pretty impressive ventures that have come in. So it's definitely competitive. But at the same time, knowing Centauri, he can do it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I love that. A, a, a glowing endorsement right there. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited to learn about, um, I, I can only imagine, I mean, the innovation that's going on at ASU. And obviously, with such a neat organization like Spark Labs, want to hear all about that. But first, wanted to find out just what your career path has been and how you found your way there. Sure. So I had an interesting career path in the sense of I was pretty recently out of school right when the recession hit. So I was working in the construction space back in Ohio, and I wanted to get into, at the time, I thought pharmaceutical sales like every new college graduate back in the, you know, uh, <laughs> late 2009, right. 2010 um, time period. And so I ended up visiting Arizona once fell in love with the Phoenix area and came out here. And from there, I wanted to again, get into sales. And so I fell into a role and I actually chose not to take the marketing role that was offered to me and stay in construction and instead get into door-to-door uh, -door business to business sales in the Valley. So I actually went around selling shipping logistics um, and it was a great experience. A lot of people say door-to-door -door, uh, business to business, that's insane. Uh, but it was great. Just everything I learned of how to, you know, own a conversation and a role uh, in terms of walking through an office and finding the largest corner office to talk to someone. It just really helped my nice. confidence in my career. Yeah. So it was really interesting. But from there, then I was approached by a friend who had uh, was working for Living Social in Chicago. And she said, you know, they're opening and this is going to be like our sixth market in the Phoenix area. You should look into it. And so I ended up taking a role with them and one of, was one of the first 200 people at Living Social that then uh, exploded, if you know anything about their story, and launched the Scottsdale market and traveled with them um, across the country, helping to launch some of their uh, national projects. So that was my first taste, I would say, fast growth. 
and it was really exciting. I, it, I just got addicted from there. And then I got uh, recruited over to Gannett, um, which is a large company, publicly traded $8 billion company, but I fell into a startup brand there, so known as GeoDigital. So when I got there, it was still a, a project under Gannett. Now, I say it was a startup, but it was very safe because it was, <laughs> it was um, you know, under sure. Gannett. So being publicly traded, <laughs> we had a lot more wiggle room to do things <laughs> and right. grew up without, you know, <laughs> the same, uh, you know, just things that if you're a startup can be really scary if you go down the wrong path. So. Um, at Gannett, we actually went from about 80 people to 750 in three years, and I had a director of inside sales role there and helped to grow a team up to 35, and it was a really exciting time to be there. And then I ended up, the it was my first uh, opportunity to then get into what I call a, a um, niche role here in opening expanding startup offices so my next two roles fell into that where i basically had uh booker software coming out from manhattan it was their first expansion uh nationally into a larger remote office as they were scaling and i opened the office for them at skysong and helped to build the team there um, and led the western region for sales and then i went on and did the same for double dutch which was another um just scaling and growing uh, startup coming from the Bay Area to Phoenix helped open their office. And I went from leading sales there to leading HR to helping on the recruiting side and basically just being their GM, but also um, helping with a lot of different roles. So at this point, I call myself sort of a generalist. (laughs) And then I was given the opportunity to go to Spark Labs. Man, that's quite the... yeah. That's quite the career path. A, a quick question, because you were talking about door to door sales. How? I, I think I, one. I'm curious, but I think our, our listeners are curious. How did you deal with being told no, which I'm sure happened a, quite a bit? Yeah. So if I would, I was always taught, even though I was showing, selling to shipping managers or shipping logistics, not to go into the warehouse and talk to them first. Instead, collect information. So. I'd go into the front door first and try to get a, a meeting set up. And if I couldn't right there, then I would thank them for their time, was always friendly. And I'd just go then in through the back door and then talk to the shipping manager, get even more information and try to get in the door that way. And with being told no, I just always tried to make it a positive and being more you know, assertive versus aggressive. So I would have people say to me, you know, no soliciting and don't you see or don't you see the sign um and i just say oh are you talking about your company name i saw that and i'd keep talking Zing. and i try to just <laughs> you know not That's let awesome. it affect me yeah i try to not let it affect me and my goal was always to be so nice to them and so kind to them that when they were you know not very nice to me that it almost made them feel bad for the rest of the day <laughs> so that was always my it. goal yeah. yeah. Well, what 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 an awesome foundation. And then, obviously, it sounds like you've you've sat in all the all the different proverbial proverbial or practical chairs, so to speak. From obviously, um, not just doing the actual outdoor sales and just about as I don't want to say aggressive, but as an aggressive sales environment as you can probably get. And then doing the recruitment and the human resources and employee engagement. So. 
I have to feel like you found yourself pretty well positioned to take on the the uh, the opportunity that you have now. Yeah, I I definitely feel that way. I enjoyed really working internally in an executive leadership role and you know, being again, more of a generalist from a management and leadership perspective, but I wanted to get into a role that was more community facing where I could work with multiple startups and have a a larger impact. And so with this role, there was one um, area of my leadership skill set that I felt like I could dive in further on, and that would be on the financial side. I definitely felt comfortable with it, but I felt like you know, the VC side is something that I would love to learn more about and be a part of. And for me, I tend to think that I can learn on the fly. And so um, Spark Labs was really great with saying, you know, we feel like you have a foundation and we can help you get to the next level with it. So we're not nervous about that. It's more about the fact that you can help teach with the programming, the networking, and you have enough of a background that we can get you there to really, you know, bring you into um, a VC at, and, you know, run an accelerator. So that was exciting. That's awesome. So if you would yeah. give us an, give us a, just a rundown of what Spark Labs is and how the opportunity um, or how they decided to, to locate the first accelerator or I'm having a hard time talking accelerator at ASU and what you guys are hoping to accomplish. Sure. So Spark Labs group is a network of accelerators and venture capital funds. And with that, we have about nine accelerators globally right now. And then we also have a global um, early stage seed fund. And each of these accelerators we raise through venture partners, a fund for. And so our largest right now is in uh, Korea. And we're on our 14th cohort there. And we run uh, two demo days. And the largest uh, demo day actually uh, globally with about 400 uh, investors and VCs that attend it. And so when we wanted to then get into uh, our mission, I guess, would be just working as a primary partner for major research universities globally. And we wanted to you know, focus on just one university program to start. And so ASU One was just, I would say, an easy choice with everything that's been happening in terms of the entrepreneurship and innovation um, and really what's been going on there. But also our co-founder Bernard Moon studied under Michael Crow at Columbia. So that was another connection where they had a relationship. um, Yeah, from that, that then it also further uh, helped us say, you know, ASU is the first stop to really launch a university program. And that's how that choice was made. Jackie, um, could you talk a little bit about uh, or I, I wonder if the current competitions in sort of um, uh, the ecosystem of ASU, so like Venture Devils and then Changemakers, do those folks feed into this or is it a partner? Or I just want to understand that, that how did this fits into the greater landscape of what ASU was already doing? Yeah. So technically we are a partner of entrepreneurship and innovation. So I actually sit on the floor with the ENI team at Skysong. I have an office right next to the director of Venture Devils and a lot of these programs. And so I work really closely with them. Uh, and coming in the program, I, I really worked when I first got there to sit down and understand all of the programs and what we were planning to do and how it could be complementary complementary and additive to what they're doing versus competitive. I, I think the worst thing in an ecosystem is to come in and 
you know, treat it like it, I don't, I don't think any ecosystem's large enough to really come in and make something like this competitive when it's supposed to be helpful. Right. Um, so instead I sat down and really understood what they were doing for programming and made sure that our programming again, um, was complementary to theirs. So with venture devils, uh, there's quite a few teams that are, I would say almost even majority that apply to Spark Labs that are either already doing Venture Devils or are alumni of Venture Devils. And so what they're really focused on is uh, the lean startup methodology and helping on that side of things. And we've gone a little bit of a different direction, again, to make it complementary, where we're focused on the soft skills. Uh, so we're helping more with uh, team formation, helping them find co-founders, and also even uh, proving out their idea and validating the market. And so a lot of the things we're doing are more focused on um, soft skills like uh, we do a high pressure simulator. So they have to be prepared to pitch and fundraise, things like that. So we're doing a lot of group work and things like that and meeting uh, regularly where Venture Devils, a lot of it is uh, mentorship and coursework. Um, related or modules related to lean startup methodology. And you've, um, since you've been in the Phoenix ecosystem, I'd be curious to know, uh, there's, there's so much talk about, you know, um, uh, the, the Valley uh, being a good hub for tech, um, not only tech incubation, but tech um, talent and all those things. And Governor DC just announced, you know, the, the, the big push has been in the last couple of years. Talk to us about the kind of the merit and veracity of that. So is Phoenix a really good place to kind of launch these ventures or do you think there's some more areas for improvement or opportunity here? I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah. So I believe it is. I'll go back to even before launching um, in the Spark Labs role at Double Dutch. So at Double Dutch, we were scaling, having, you know, our struggle scaling in San Francisco, which is why we opened Phoenix. And when I interviewed for the role now at this point, it would be almost like three and a half, four years ago. Um, I asked during the interview, are we going to hire tech talent and engineers and, and product in Phoenix? And they said, you know, we haven't even thought about it. Definitely not on the roadmap right now, but yeah, we're hiring sales and customer experience. And so with that, it, in about a year and a half time, two years, the Phoenix office had such a good culture and we were retaining people easily in Phoenix just on the sales and customer experience side that they started saying, you know, what's the engineering talent like and what's the tech talent like? And I said, of course, being locally in Phoenix, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Come come right. out here. Take awesome. visit. Let's, let's talk about it. And so we met with a lot of, you know, the really great people that help like Coplex and sat down with them and, you know, tried to get ideas of benchmarking related to salaries and what they're seeing and things like that. And then we started just putting, you know, an open house together and a meetup to kind of do a recruiting event and see what was out there. And we were overwhelmed by the amount of people um, that then showed up to that, that we ended up hiring our first four engineers. And within a year, we hired 12, um, both, it was mobile full and full stack for the most part and some web, de like some front end engineers. Um, and we basically then took and um, any engineering role we wanted, we started hiring in Phoenix and we rebuilt our engineering team in Phoenix. And it, it was an awesome team. And so I always say that just because, you know, it, that was it, when it came to San Francisco, our CTO always said, 
it's not that the talent is better here at all compared to San Francisco or San Francisco is better. It's that the people in Phoenix are really excited right now to be part of something. And everyone was just thrilled to be part of the team. And it's not as competitive um, related to uh, retaining talent here. Um, okay. So that was something. So when it comes to then launching a venture here, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a reason why a lot of these companies are moving to, you know, their second office to be able to scale in Phoenix. So if we can start in Phoenix and have more local success stories, I absolutely think that the ventures here are, are really poised for success. However, I do think that we need more early stage funding here, either locally or people that are willing to invest in Phoenix um, companies coming from elsewhere. And so that was something, again, where Spark Labs, I was really interested in because it is early stage investing instead of just, you know, post revenue. So we need more, I think, programs or venture capital companies like Spark Labs or just local investment. Got it. Perfect. I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> sure. All right. So if you would, I, I think that you mentioned that you just um, accepted your first round of, of um, student programs into the program. What What is it going to look like? If you could just walk us through a case study at this point, it would be somewhat fictitious, but of just kind of from soup to nuts, a student gets into the program. What is it? What does it look like? Yeah, well, uh, I should be a little clear. We have both a pre-program and the actual accelerator. So what we accepted for was the pre-program, and the pre-program is where we focus on the team formation and some of the, the soft skills and prepare them to then apply for the accelerator, which is when we actually give out the investment, which that actually occurs in uh, January. So the, the first cohort for this pre-program, it's actually really interesting. So one of, one of the requirements is they have to either be a student or an alumni of ASU or the um, schools within their ecosystem such as Thunderbird and I've been really pleasantly um, surprised by the diversity we've gotten in terms of we have some alumni that have been out in the field for 30 years and they've just have been looking for an opportunity um, they have an idea but it's not completely thought out and they just don't even know where to start but they've always had an entrepreneurial spirit and then we have some that are all the way in beta testing and are still current students. And we also have some that are just a solo founder. Um, they have the idea, but they're looking for a technical co-founder maybe, or um, we have one who's a technical co-founder looking for a founder. And so what we're trying to do is help um, these ventures that need help on the team formation side go out and, you know, fill in the gaps on their team to then have a strong core team and then prepare them to apply for the accelerator, um, which would give them investment and mentorship and also prepare them for a demo day to showcase to um, investors for follow-on funding. Got it. Well, that's a, that's a pretty incredible program right there. And so I'll, all told, and you probably said this and I just missed it, how long is that first phase? as you just prep them? Yeah, so the, so the pre-program um, kicks off actually next week and it goes through the end of uh, January. It's roughly about uh, 10 weeks spread out. It's a, a once a week meeting 
um, where we do programming and then obviously skipping the holidays. So it lasts through January. And through that, they also receive uh, mentorship and again, just not necessarily funding, but uh, we'll help them with resources related to rounding out their team. And we have about uh, 25 people total between the various teams, and then we have a couple individual founders. Jackie, um, we always, well, I'm always pushing this, but what do you guys think is the ultimate like outcome, or rather, what do you see the theory of change of this being? Do you want more highly funded ventures? Do you just want more ventures coming out of Arizona? So what is the ultimate goal? So I think the ultimate goal, and this would be in partnership with ASU, is for us to have um, more funded ventures coming out of the program and out of ASU specifically. And then again, obviously out of Phoenix on a bigger scale. And so with us, if, if we don't necessarily accept companies from the pre-program into the accelerator, because we're only accepting uh, three to five teams the first year. So we already have more than that in the pre-program. And then also it's not a requirement to go through the pre-program. So if, if we accept, you know, the best of the best that we plan to invest in, um, we're still working with ASU and their programs like InvestU and some of the other programs they have to hopefully get some of these other ventures, follow on funding. Um, Coplex also I'm working with for um, some of these companies are gonna need even further resources or they're gonna get an investment that they then might wanna take it to the next level. So I'm trying to also connect them to make sure that it, we're not just focused on who we're investing in in the accelerator and and there that we're helping them um, get connected and follow on funding to make them successful out of ASU and then also out of Phoenix. Love it. So, for people who are listening, how how do they how do they learn more about the program? How how could they get involved? Yeah, so they can get involved by obviously reaching out to me always on LinkedIn um, is a great way. But also through both the ASU ENI website, they can then go to the Spark Labs website, or they can just go to our direct website, which is um, sparklabsfrontierasu.com. And I love it. They can go there and apply. And then also on F6S, they can access our application for the accelerator. So we now have a new um, uh, application open for those that want to be part of the accelerator. Maybe that didn't make um, the cut for the pre-program if they weren't aware of it at that time. Awesome. Centauri, what else? No big questions on my end. I'm just excited to see this coming out of um, always as an Arizona native, some Arizona point of pride, points of pride. So um, ASU being at the forefront of just about everything these days, this makes sense. So excited to hear um, what happens after the first cohort and um, excited to see how our listeners can be engaged. Yes, I'm excited as well. Anything else you want to add, Jaggy? I think the only other thing that maybe I didn't mention is that related to the investment, so each of the teams that are accepted, they do re, uh, receive a $100,000 investment. So nice. uh, that's a pretty large investment, um, if you know of what's being given out there, at least in Phoenix, um, for a program like this. So it's really exciting. That is really exciting. Well, that's awesome. Well, I know that Centauri and I, like he already mentioned, excited to, uh, to track your progress and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. 
And thanks, as always, for listening. And remember to keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.